1: I'm Pat Cummins. I'm Josh Hazelwood. I'm Lisbon Khawaja. I'm Mitch Marsh. I'm Mitch Stark, and you're listening to The Unplayable Podcast.
2: This is The Unplayable Podcast. The 2019 Cricket World Cup is just days away. So on this week's episode, we thought we'd preview the tournament, the Australian side, and all 10 teams. And to help us do that, we've got the 2015 World Cup final player of the match, Mr. James Faulkner. We also hear from the great Alan Border, who talks about the 1987 World Cup win and then finish with a story from Andrew Simons about the one and only Brad Hogg. Be sure to stick around for that or just skip to the end. It's totally up to you. Now, if you want to watch the World Cup in Australia, you can catch all the Australian games, the semifinals and the final free to wear on Channel 9's Wild World of Sport. But if you want it all, Fox Cricket and KO will show every game live and ad-free. If you can't get to a TV, then there is only one place to go for news, scores and video on the World Cup, and that's cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. Actually, I guess that's two places, but you get the picture. Okay, enough talk. Here's James Faulkner to, uh, well, he's going to talk to us about the World Cup, the Aussies and the Dream Final. James Faulkner is on the line. James, I uh, haven't heard from you for a while. What's been happening down there in Tasmania? Uh, not much has been happening. i have just
3: Started a pre-season pretty much a few a few weeks ago, getting ready to go over or jet off to, to England and play um, for Lancashire again, which I'm looking forward to. You've
2: got the, the uh, marquee set up down there in uh, Hobart?
3: It is. Actually, I was bowling outside last week, so it was, it was brilliant. It's the first time I've actually been in it and trained. Um, the boys obviously had it last pre-season, but it's a yeah, it's phenomenal set up and fantastic to be able to get outside of the group um, a lot earlier than what we have in the previous years.
2: And what are you working on now? Is it just getting back into rhythm, or are you trying new tricks and new deliveries?
3: Yeah, I've only been bowling for the last couple of weeks, so it's more just, yeah, getting, getting your body uh, moving again, and then, um, yeah, probably in another another two weeks' time, I'll start ramping it up um, off the full run and, and make sure I'm ready to go by the time I hit England.
2: All right, and when do you head over there?
3: Oh, I head over on the 24th of June, so, yeah, pretty much a month, month um, from today, and I'm um, well, actually looking forward to getting back into cricket. It feels like I haven't played for ages now.
2: <laughs> yes. Well, I uh, haven't been out of the uh, spotlight wholly, uh, James, down there with that uh, Instagram post that went around uh, the world. But uh, obviously, just a misunderstanding there. But um, he must have been overwhelmed by the, the positive reaction and it got, even though it was uh, uh, taken the wrong way.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting, interesting morning. A lot of phone calls. Um, yeah, just sort of woke up to uh, what was going on. But yeah, misinterpretation, that's yeah, that's all all blown over now, which is good, but there was obviously a lot of support um all around for everyone. So um yeah, it's a I can of and sailing at the moment.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think so. All right, well, um before you head over there to uh England, there's gonna be a World Cup which starts uh and four years ago you were part of the Australian team that took out the twenty fifteen title. Um four years later, what are your memories of that tournament?
3: Um yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting tournament. It's completely separate to playing series against a nation, um, especially once you get to, to knockout stages. Obviously, a tremendous load of pressure on, on both teams, um, and little things can make huge huge impacts on games. Um, I've seen recently, obviously, the Australian team have been working hell of well on their fielding. Um, that's one thing that can obviously help you, help you out and, and give you a good crack at holding up the trophy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And... Uh... That final man of the match, James, uh, uh, three for thirty odd in that final. Uh, big wickets of Ross Taylor. Um, what, are your, what are your memories of, of that final in particular?
3: Uh, it feels like ages ago now, but um, yeah, a bit of a blur to be honest. Uh, but at the same time, I was actually talking about it to a mate the other day. And once you, I think once once you play at home and you used, are so used to walking out on your on your home ground, especially at the MCG. Um, yeah, once once we walked out, I felt at home. I felt comfortable, um, which was a bit of a shock to the system. There was obviously a few nerves, but once you get into into your work, it's it's an, you just got to think of it as another game of cricket, even though it's not. But um, obviously, yeah, memories that I'll have for for the rest of my career, rest of my life. It was a great great bunch of boys to be playing with. Um, it was an unbelievable team team effort, not just throughout the World Cup, but the two years, probably two or three years leading up to that as well. Um, we're playing a hell of a lot of good cricket as a group and. Uh, it was fantastic to obviously win the big, the big one, and um, that's what we all, all had our had our well, set our set of goals out to achieve um, leading up into it the years before.
2: All that build up, all that preparation to win the World Cup on the home soil. Uh, can you sum up the celebrations in just a couple of words?
3: The celebrations were pretty big. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. They're um, <laughs> yeah, probably pretty big, but. Um, I think just having friends and family and everyone that uh, follows you, um, obviously having it in Australia was, was huge. The first couple of weeks, everyone on the street was so nice and obviously congratulating all of us. So um, yeah, it was a, it was a real buzz. It was real high to be on for yeah, probably the first month really.
2: Now you'd be disappointed that you're not over there with the current squad, but um, it's just been a bit of a, an unlucky couple of years through injury and things like that, hasn't it for you?
3: Yeah, it's been a bit of a rollercoaster. I've gone through waves. When he, he obviously you get a bit down, a bit upset about how everything's tracking. But look, it is what it is. I had a bad, pretty very bad injury leading up to the to 2015 with my knee, and then um, then my other one started playing up just recently in the BBL. But at the moment, they're actually they're as good as they've been. I've been riding a hell of a lot. I bought a road bike, so I just chuck on out the get on the bike track in Hobart here and ride ride 30 k's every. Every well, probably three or four times a week, um, and I found that really, really has helped with the rehab and spending any sort of carlies that might be flaking around. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling more confident at the moment that I can, I can play some decent cricket in the next twelve months.
2: Yeah, is that the goal? I mean, like, I'd imagine it'd be just to get back in that Aussie setup.
3: Yeah, I don't. The main goal at the moment is just to be. Well, firstly, I want to be enjoying enjoying playing cricket and not and not be playing in pain. Um, yep. I started to start to have that feeling again throughout the BBL. When I felt I felt really good. It was just at the end when um, I had a little niggle, but um, yeah, I felt like i was starting to hit my straps again. Um, and hopefully, I can I can have an impact um, first of all like, over in um, playing for Lancashire in a couple of months, and then after uh, that, uh, with Tasmania and the BBL.
2: Now you would have played with and against a lot of the guys in the uh, Australian setup. At the moment, they're coming in having won their last eight one-day internationals and that warm-up game against England the other day in Southampton. What do you make of the squad and how it's travelling heading into that first game against Afghanistan?
3: Yeah, I'm I'm not going to lie, I actually don't watch too much cricket. Um, I don't know why, I just don't, I don't don't in general, but I found myself the other night watching bat in the warm-up game against England and he looked like he was in some brilliant touch again. But um, all in all, I think it's a a fantastic squad and um, I think they're going to be really hard to beat. As you said, they've... Won their last eight games, um, which is fan- which is fantastic. It gives the group a lot of confidence, and um, especially after the Flackdale copping in the media before that as well. Mm. To win away from home is huge. And to do it a couple of times, but yeah, it's a hell of an achievement. So
2: I think they
3: would be they be quite be quite confident uh, over there in England, and they've obviously started really well um, leading up to the tournament.
2: You mentioned Steve Smith; he got 116 off just 102 balls. Uh, Dave Warner in that game also got 43 They copped a bit of. Uh, Booing and hear hissing and uh, and stuff like that from the crowd. Um, you know those guys pretty well. How do you reckon they'd handle that stuff? Not just in the tournament, but moving forward over the over the uh, northern summer up there.
3: Yeah, that's good play. I don't think it'll really bother them at all. To be honest, um, so obviously I had the twelve months out of the game, but they've been playing other tournaments around the world and they've had performing very well. Uh, and obviously, Bull Warner um, had an unbelievable um, IPL, um, and Smithy was very good as well. So. Um yeah, there there's obviously going to be a lot of hunger for them to do well individually, but more importantly their goal would be to contribute and, and win a World Cup that's the, that's the best way to to silence everyone.
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, who do you think in that team and it might be those two guys, who do you think is gonna have a, a big tournament over there?
3: Well, there's a number of players. Um for me I I think I think Glenn Maxwell, um, only because of his last World Cup as well, you have a lot of lot of confidence and good memories from from 2015. Um, and he's such a good player. If he's on, he can turn the game so quickly. So, for for me, uh, yeah, I'm expecting him to have a, have a great tournament. But, look, as, as I said, there's so many players that can, can change a game. Um, obviously, you get Stark. You, can't, you look through the whole list, there's not a weak link at all. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if any, any of them popped up.
2: <laughs> Is there a player there that um, might surprise fans that, the, that isn't the biggest name there, but... Might come through and be a bit of a surprise. Oh, I'm not too sure to be honest. They're all pretty
3: big names, are they?
2: <laughs> That's true. That's true. I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking someone like a, a maybe a Jason Berendorf if he gets a chance, or a, or a Shaw Marsh who isn't the team at the moment, but he's in and out. If he comes through, maybe he'll um, put that uh, good form that he showed over there twelve months ago and um, rack up some runs. Yeah, they're all
3: they're all class players. Um... Yeah, look, given that they've obviously got to get picked for starters. Obviously, it's going to be hard. It's hard enough, and you can see they're juggling around sports at the moment. But to make the 11s, it's got to be the the main objective for all of them. And then um, after that, I'm sure that they'll just slot in and do their role, play their role, and, um, and, and perform well.
2: Now, you've played heaps over there in England. You're going over there to play with Lancashire in the T20 comp. Uh, what are the conditions that the Australians and those other nine teams are going to face over there?
3: Yeah, it's obviously. Um, a lot different than Australia. The ground's going to be a lot, a lot smaller. You've, you've got um, a lot more pitches in the middle of the ground so the mm. ball can fly off the fence uh, and it's hard to protect. Um, also, probably the big thing is over there it spins. It spins more than uh, it does in Australia so that's going to be a big challenge. Um, obviously, they've got... Uh, England's team's got a left-arm, right-arm um, spinner as well so they can take the ball away from um, both the batsmen. But, um, yeah, that, that's probably the big thing. I think, I think spin's going to really control most games especially through the middle because there is so many uh quality spinners now around the world
2: yeah it's funny you, you always uh, associate england and english conditions with swing bowling but there's been so much talk about spin bowling can you see australia playing line and Zamper more often than not
3: yeah like, we'll, we'll probably get a bit of a feel We'll get a bit of a feel uh the first first couple of games with the pitches that the, 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 the groundsmen are going to uh, prepare but uh, they'd like slot in there at some stage. It would have to be doing a lot, I reckon, for, for that to happen. I can only probably see one of them playing, and that'd be obviously Zamper, um, Zamper at the moment. Um, Leg spin's obviously such a crucial part of, of limited overs cricket, or cricket in general,
2: because um, it's wicket-taking. So um, Yeah,
3: it, there might be a time, but I'd, I'd assume that they'd just go in with the one spinner.
2: And Manchester has been known to spin a bit more than other grounds. Do you think they'll be... Perhaps the the biggest turner of the lot of those eleven venues that are going to be playing in the World Cup.
3: Yeah, it does spin. Sometimes it looks like it's a road. Oh, I, I struggle reading the wickets over there, so I'm probably not one to ask. Yeah, it can it can land, and also the other thing is reversing. It, re- it reverses over there because it is so dry. I mean, mm. you've got the you've got the center squares. Uh, the ball tends to reverse a fair bit. Um, now it's obviously different with the two new balls and has been like that for a while, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw, saw a little bit of that in the back end of most innings.
2: Having won a World Cup, I mean, the obvious things are you've got to take wickets and, and score lots of runs to win a tournament like that, but what are some of the sort of the one percenters that you need to get right to win that tournament?
3: Well, I think le- the lead-up's huge. Uh, like I touched on before with, with, with confidence with the group, uh, it's a good habit of getting to winning and obviously for the Aussie Aussie boys have won, as you said, the eight before eight straight. So um, games leading in, so they're going to have a lot of confidence as a group. And then I think the big thing in the World Cup is because it is such a cutthroat. You need to make sure you've, you're taking the game on. There's no point, no point going back into your shell. Don't be afraid to lose, lose a moment or lose the game. Take it on um, because as soon as you, as soon as you take a backward step in any sport, professional sport, you're going to get stomped all over. So um, that's probably the big thing.
2: Yeah, and. Do you like the way England play, the way they just go hell for leather from ball one?
3: Yeah, they do. They have a crack, don't they? There's no bucking yeah. around. And then that's what makes them so dangerous. If a couple of players come off at the top, it's a hell of a lot easier for their, for their middle order to walk in as well when they've already got um, 100 or twelve, thirteen overs. So um, they're, they're very dangerous. At the same time, we've seen them come stuck a couple of times as well. So I'm sure Australia will have different plans um, for them and all the other teams have different plans, whether it's using spin early or not. Uh, the top um, every nation will come up with their own little little bits and pieces
2: <laughs> yeah do you reckon you could see that could you, could you see uh, a spin bowler opening the, the bowling over there
3: I, I, I wouldn't I, I, it might happen at some stage but I could I, it's definitely going to be used in the first 10 overs yep um, in certain games if it isn't swinging and it's dry um, I did I noticed the other night Zamp I think bowled over 7 or 8 or something to um, at, at the top so um it might be something they use. They might. It might have just been that game, but um, yeah, time will tell, I suppose.
2: James, let's get into the teams. Ten nations, uh, top ten nations in the world are going to be competing. Let's go through them, uh, sort of rapid fire type of situation here. Yep. Um, we'll start off with Afghanistan's the second World Cup. Um, they had that epic win over Scotland in Dunedin in 2015. The real feel-good story, apart from Australia, obviously, in the 2015 tournament. Um, and their player to watch, I think it's got to be Rashid Khan, and you would have played against him. The mystery spinner, uh, he's, I think he's 21 or 22 or something. It looks like he's about 35, but he's um, an unbelievable talent, and if uh, Afghanistan are going to cause an upset, you'd have to think uh, Rashid would be at the uh, the heart of it.
3: Yeah, definitely. They've got some very good spinners in their team. I played with Rush in the T10 tournament over in Dubai. Um, and yeah, he's, he's very hard to read because he's so fast with his arm action. But um, yeah, I think some teams will, will struggle at, at times against them um, because spinners, like I said, they have such a big impact. And, if you, and players are struggling to play. They're still struggling to play. Um, you could easily have three or four early wickets and have a lot of pressure on on teams.
2: Yeah, they have got those those three spinners and a uh, fairly gung ho top order. So Afghanistan, they might be uh, ranked lowest, but uh, you'd have to think they're they're good for at least one win over there. I reckon.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
2: Okay. Uh, Sri Lanka, uh, they come in into it uh, in pretty bad form, James. They haven't won a game in 2019, which is uh, tough. They are the 1996 champions and runners up in two, 2003 and 2011, so they've got um, some World Cup experience, uh, but sort of a, a mixed team there. Um, new captain who hasn't played one day for a while, uh, but the guy that uh, uh, that he replaced is Lasith Malinga, who played very well at the back end of the IPL and is a bit of a cult hero, and you'd imagine would we'll do pretty well in those conditions over there. Yeah, well, I haven't
3: actually seen much of Sri Lanka's cricket the last little while, but um, I did notice that, um, Malinga bowled. He really bowled Mumbai to the defending yeah. the IPL trophy, so he's back up and running, which is fantastic. Good to see him back in the back in the um, in the mixture. Um, but yeah, I'm, I can't really comment too much on them. They're always they're always there and thereabouts when it comes to World Cups.
2: Yeah, um,
3: but I, I can't see them. I can't see them making a semi final or a final if I'm if I'm brutally honest.
2: Yes, well, I think uh, their ranking might suggest that, uh, and just above them. Uh, the West Indies, uh, their dual winners, the first two, seventy-five and seventy-nine. Uh, what, do you, what do you think the, the key is for them, James, to get their their T20 form, where they've won a couple of World Cups, and to transfer it into fifty-over cricket? Why do you think those those extra one hundred and eighty balls and innings um, is proving such a difficult um, uh, difficult hurdle to jump over?
3: Yeah, I'm not too sure. They're so good at T20. It's such such a talented group, um, and they can take a game away from you very very quickly. Obviously, with Andre Russell and the form he's been in over the last few years, Um, it's phenomenal um, how well he can strike the ball. Obviously, he's bowling as well, so um, they're going to be very dangerous and they're going to upset a a fair few teams, I reckon.
2: Would you? Are you willing to say that they are the World Cup dark horse, James?
3: Yeah, that that, that tag's been thrown around a little bit at World Cup for them, but uh, as I said, that can rip games apart um, very, very quickly. Yeah. so yeah, you could call them the dark horse, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're up if they're up and running uh, very well towards the back end.
2: And how about Andre Russell? You uh, would have played a bit against him a fair bit. Uh, is there a guy that hits the ball harder in world cricket?
3: He gives it a good old whack, doesn't he? <laughs> um, he uh, yeah, as I said, his form's been phenomenal. But um, yeah, he's got to be up there at the top couple that can whack it.
2: What's the uh, what's the gut game plan to him when you're bowling to him? Is it just trying to york him or variations or just hope for the best that he misses one
3: yeah I haven't bowled to him too much especially the last little while but yeah I think you just have to keep changing up your line and your variation um, and use your bouncer as well um, once he gets predictable he just lines up bowlers and just destroys them so um, that would be the only the only bit of advice or the only thinking I'd have <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to it for pace
2: <laughs> Bangladesh the Tigers uh, they're ranked number 7 in the world uh, they've got a pretty experienced group 8 of the players in their 15 player squad played in the 2015 World Cup um, can they take a couple of big scalps James uh, you might not have seen a whole lot of them play recently but they're on the improve and I, they might be right for a, for, a, for a high place finish in this tournament especially if the pitchers are going to spin yeah that's
3: a big thing if they spin there in the contest. I I've the fizz. I assume he's up and running and fit. Yeah. Um, a lot of players struggle against him, with his, especially with his variation as well and pace. But um, yeah, well, I'm not too sure about them. To be honest, what do you reckon?
2: Yeah, I think so. I th- you know, you mentioned the fizz, Mustafizur Rahman. Um, uh, he's a tremendous, whippy left arm fast bowler. And I remember talking to Dave Warner and Moses Enriquez. Uh, back in the IPL a couple of years ago, and players just couldn't hit him. They were calling him a genius, that he was just had this change-up and nobody could pick him. So if you've got guys of that calibre saying you're a genius, I mean, you must be going okay.
3: Yeah, a couple of years ago, I, was, I can remember being over there myself, and it was phenomenal. Players just couldn't read him um, out of the hand. It was quite a bizarre action. Um, I think I'm starting to get a little bit more used to him, but that's what happens when you're playing in the same nations all the time and so many different lanes. but... Yeah, he still dominates and he can be very much a handful on it if he's
2: on. Yes, he's overcome an ankle injury play. In fact, Bangladesh won a tri-series up there in Ireland, uh, so their lead-up's been pretty good. Um, Pakistan, the 1992 winners and the 1999 finalists, um, they're another maverick team. They won the Champions Trophy in 2017 over there in England, upsetting England and then India. Uh, Are they a team... James, that you just never know what you're going to get when you face Pakistan.
3: A bit like that, yeah. Um, they're always up for the contest, especially in World Cups. Um, but everyone obviously remembers that spell That um, to, to Watson.
2: Yeah, Wahab oh,
3: Yeah, so it, they, are, they are very dangerous. Um, I think their bowling lineups very good, um, and, then, and their batting when it clicks is, is very powerful as well. Um, so yeah, they, they might be the, they might be a bit of a dark one, um, as you mentioned before. But um, they're always there, they're always bob up come World Cup time.
2: Absolutely. And can you remember where you were or what you were feeling when Wahab was bowling to Watson that day? Because it was just a ferocious bouncer after ferocious bouncer, and uh, poor old Watto didn't have a whole lot to uh, to counter it. But he did survive.
3: Yeah, he survived. He got dropped in there, fine legal, backwards square. Yeah. But, um, it was. It was a phenomenal spell of bowling. It was. It was looking back at it now, when you see replays, it, it, it is good to watch. But at the time, when you're sitting there, sitting there waiting the bat, and you're in, in a couple. It's, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a little bit nervous.
2: <laughs> you're saying, "Please don't get out, Watto." I?
3: <laughs> I, I think there was a bit of that. I don't know Maxie was up and down out of his chair. Um, <laughs> it also had a bit. So it was, yeah, <laughs> it was a phenomenal. It was a phenomenal couple of overs that.
2: That's when you can say, guys. You know, I look at the stuff at the back end. You guys go ahead of me. I'll I'll handle the last couple of overs. <laughs> A bit like that. Uh, South Africa next, and uh, James. They finally broke their knockout hoodoo in 2015 when they won that quarter final, uh, but lost in New Zealand. Lost to New Zealand in that thrilling semi final. There's no AB de Villiers this time around. Uh, what do you think? I mean, we've talked about dark horses, but these guys would be. One of the main contenders with such a balanced bowling attack. You look at their fast bowled with Rabada, Steyn, and Gidi, and then Tahir and top order power with De Kok and Amla and Markram, and then Dupuis. I mean, they've got. They seem to have every base covered. The Proteus.
3: Yeah, they do. They've had, obviously, as you said, they haven't got over the final hurdle or, the, or any hurdles really in World Cup. So. Um, it's a phenomenal list. I think they're definitely going to miss A.B. Davilius. He's yeah. one of the best players that's ever played. Um, but when you to read that name list, or the list of players then, there's some phenomenal players involved. Um, so they're going to... Yeah, they're definitely going to be there and they're about to come come the end, I'd assume.
2: Yeah. And and just on... I mean, we could, we could highlight four or five players here, but uh, Robata really is their speed coming off a back injury. Hopefully he'll be fit and firing for most of the World Cup. But, I mean... He's, When you look at a guy like that, he's just so talented. He doesn't seem to really have a bowling floor, and he's still very, very young.
3: Yeah, it's phenomenal how much pace he can generate, especially when he's run up as well. He looks so casual. Yeah, Um, and he's lightning. So he's he's awesome to watch in full flight. So yeah, hopefully he's fully fit back from his injury that you mentioned then, and. he can put in, put on a good show for everyone.
2: Is it frustrating as a fast bowler when you see guys just lumbering and then bowling down at one hundred and forty five kilometers per hour? Yeah, it is a bit
3: frustrating, too, especially when you're rolling them out
2: at one twenty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple left, New Zealand, uh, World Cup finalists in twenty fifteen. Um, now these guys are considered the dark horse by many teams, but I mean, I think if you're the if you're the um, Finalists from the previous tournament, you can't really be a dark horse. Um, and uh, and they've got such talent all across the park as well when you've got the likes of Williamson and uh, Guptill and Munro and Taylor at the top of the order. And then their bowling attack again with South and Bolt. Um, if it does spin, they've got um, Sodi over there and Santner as their spinners. Another well-balanced team, which is probably why they're right up there going to be contending for the title
3: yeah it is it's a it's a very good list um they're take a lot of confidence after the last world cup as well with a lot of players in that in their squad um that were involved in that um i think yeah the, the two spinners they've got in sodi um and tanna um yeah. they're very good as well top quality players um so yeah i think they've got it, all areas covered the big thing i uh, i think they'll miss they'll definitely miss um McCullum and also Elliot, um, or Elliot had obviously well, a, a really good World Cup last time. But um, as you said, they've still got plenty of other good players in their batting lineup that can that can win matches. So I'd assume they'd be yeah they'd be right right up there at the back end as well. Uh,
2: and what about Trent Bolt? He took 22 wickets in that 2015 World Cup. Master swing bowler. What do you like about Bolt and uh, do you reckon he can have a bit of success over there with those two new balls and hopefully the the, the new ball does swing?
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, he's a new ball genius, isn't he? He just takes wickets for fun. So um, if there's any sort of cloud cover, he, he comes into the game. And then also at the, at the back end as well, if it is spinning, he's got good variation. He's got a different angle being a left armer. Um, and I think him and the, and the two spinners can work really well together. He's um, got 30 overs there in... in, in any sort of condition, so um, yeah, it, it's a it's a well balanced bowling lineup.
2: India, the two-time World Cup champions, 1983 and then again in 2011, uh, led by Virat Kohli, the number one ODI batter in the world, perhaps the number one ODI batsman of all time. Uh, they've got power all through their lineup. Rohit Sharma, Shikhar Dhawan at the top of the order, MS Tony, who I believe um, I might have had a word with him couple of years ago. This could be his last international tournament for India, uh, so he'd want to go out as a winner. They're also led by Jasprit Bomra, who is just in sensational form with a the ball. They've got some cagey spinners as well in Ravindra Jadeja and then Kudip Yadav, an all-round team. Uh, probably don't have to spend too much time on them, James, but uh, they're going to be an absolute handful over there, and they'll want to get some revenge on Pakistan who beat them in the final of that 2017 Champions Trophy. And we finished with the red-hot favourites, the world number one team, England. Uh, We touched on them briefly about their all-out attack approach. Uh, You look down their lists; I don't think they stopped batting until about number 13. They've got batters everywhere, uh, (laughs) batters that can clear the fence, uh, clear the stadiums. They're extraordinary. And their bowling attack has only gotten better with the late addition of Joffre Archer, and you would have played with him. Uh, what kind of boost does that do for their team, having Joffre in the side?
3: Yeah, he's one of those blokes that you mentioned before that sort of jogs in and he lets them go 150 <laughs> yeah. k And you think, how's he doing that? But um, a phenomenal talent. And it's good to see him now, now playing for England. I know they've got a couple... There's a few little um, niggles and injuries in their squad at the moment that yeah. they were mentioning the other night. Um, but, yeah, they're going to be hard to beat. Having said that, there's a hell of a lot of pressure going to be on them playing at home. Um Everyone's expecting them to, to win it. Um, but, yeah, like I said, once it comes to cutthroat games, people can people can play differently. They might go into their shell. If they go into their shell, anyone can knock them off. Well, they've got to get there first. That's the big thing.
2: That's true. And I, I think that's what happened in that semi final last time that all the pressure was on them and Pakistan came into that game with no pressure on them. Uh, and uh, they caused the upset in their batting unit, which had been firing... Uh, on all cylinders, just came a little bit unstuck in that game and they only posted uh, a modest total. When you were in Australia four years ago, did you feel that extra burden to win on home soil?
3: Yeah, you do. Um, Having said that, as a group back then, we had a lot of confidence because we were playing such good cricket everywhere around the world. Um, England have been doing the same thing, so they're going to be full of confidence. Um, it's just interesting at the moment when you watch these practice games, how players go about it and teams are trying things. Um, as, uh, for their sake, I hope they haven't peaked early, but, um, and that's what, that's what obviously everyone's speaking about at the moment, but, um, yeah, Tom will tell. I'm looking forward to watching, watching them play. They, they play a great brand of one, of one day cricket. Um, and they're, they're exciting. So hopefully it's an Australian England final. It would be brilliant.
2: That'd be that'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? And then a little be a little warm up for the Ashes and Australia maybe can yeah. draw first blood there. Uh, yeah, Josh Butler he's the the man at the moment, perhaps the best one day player in the world going around right now. Uh, have you played much with him at Lancashire? What's he like as a guy?
3: He's a, he's a great bloke. He's a quiet he's a quiet fella. Yep. And then he has a couple of beers and he comes out of his shell. But he's um, <laughs> that's like most people, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. He, um, a ridiculous talent i played with him at lancashire for a couple of seasons in the vitality blast and just watching him go about his business even some of the um discussions i've had with him um about batting at the end in different situations he just sums up he's got such a cool and calm head um just lets his skill take over and um that yeah, he's definitely got to be he'd be first picked in, in my batting line if i was ever picking a team around the world at the moment he's yeah, he's
2: phenomenal. Can you believe some of the shots? I, I know that uh, we try to compare players across eras, and he and uh, you know Butler and Adam Gilchrist match up pretty well. Big, hard hitting batters, uh, wicket keepers as well. Uh, but can you just believe some of the shots that he plays? Like he played this back foot cover drive for six the other day, but he can also do all those wonderful scoops and ramps and flicks behind the keeper. Like I think that's something that Gilchrist. Never did and probably never imagined to do because he was so good hitting down the ground. But he really hits 360. It must be a nightmare to bowl at.
3: Yeah, it's phenomenal. And the big thing about that is once you can play a lap, you always have to have a have a fine leg. So it just changes the field completely. Um, and there's going to be more gaps. So um, that's the main reason why he'd use it and also any other batsman that can play uses it. Um, and yeah, he's obviously highly skilled. I even saw Smitty play one the other night for six as well, which I couldn't believe it. And then I, mean, I jumped, up, jumped off my chair on the couch. <laughs> but um, <laughs> he um, yeah, he's a phenomenal player. And yeah, like,
2: like we just said then, that's why he's the best in the world. How do you get him out? What, where do you bowl to him if you can him everywhere? Where do you bowl?
3: Very good question, that. I mean, I don't have to bowl himself (laughs) good. I'm not too sure. What do you? You got any
2: suggestions? I've got. You're asking me. I have no idea. I think maybe just aim for the base of the stumps and and hope for the best. I I don't know. Hope hope he he misses. Hope he misses one. I I don't know. He'll be. He'll be. I mean, he's the key factor. I mean, and the thing is, he's not even at the top of the order. So it's pretty daunting that if Roy and uh, and those guys at the top of the order. Get off to a flyer. You've still got Stokes, Alley, and then and then Butler to come in. It's uh, it's pretty scary stuff. I think the only way that that England loses tournament is if that top order, like I think I guess you mentioned, they they have an off day and then um, there was a lot of top order wickets fairly quickly.
3: Yeah, that's it. And I, I think also if they get off to a good start, he can follow it up the order because um, he is so destructive. They're, 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 like you said before, their batting lineup is ridiculous. Then you get down to Plunkett as well, and he can give it a whack. So.
0: Uh,
3: yeah, they're a very very strong team, and that's why they're they're going in as one of the favourites. Um, but there's going to be a lot of pressure.
2: A lot of pressure. We've got him, him, Johnny Bairstow who's been killing, it. He, and he had a great tournament in the IPL with uh, Dave Warner. So they've got stars all over that, I mean, and Ben Stokes, who's maybe the best all rounder in the world. So yeah, I mean, if they don't lose, if they don't win the uh, win the competition. Um Something's gone wrong there, James. Let's put all the pressure... Let's put some more pressure on England uh, just to make, uh, make sure it's all there. Uh, now, you reckon Australia and England in the final. Who's going to be in the semis? Oh, geez, I haven't even
3: looked at it, to be honest. Come on, I'm just talking about the final at the moment.
2: We're <laughs> on the final. Um, we'll cut it back a little bit. Just uh, you like the windies, do you like South Africa? Or New Zealand? Yeah, I like I like
3: South Africa and New Zealand. Um I'd like to see that. Um, yep. And then obviously Australia and England would be the big one. Hopefully they don't meet each other before um, before that, but um, I don't know. What, what is the layout? The layout now has changed, hasn't it?
2: It's just 10 teams. Uh, you play each other once. Semi's final. That's it.
3: That's it, yeah. No bonus so, points. Yeah, hopefully... Um, yeah, like I said, I think it's Australia and England in the final, but yeah, it be nice to... If the boys to make it, I and mean, would be nice for them to... To
2: win another one. James, thank you so much for coming on, mate. Appreciate your time. Uh, all the best with the marquee down there in Hobart and before you head over to uh, England and play with Lancashire.
1: Cheers, no worries. I'm Pat Cummins and you're listening to the Unplayable Podcast.
2: Our World Cup moment with Alan Border is uh, the 1987 World Cup final yeah, win. Yeah. Uh, many moons ago now, uh, AB. Yeah, it was, yes. Can you, um, looking back, can you just remember the, the moment and the feeling it was when you won that World Cup And because uh, you guys went over there as the underdog side oh, and you through and yes. um, won it all? Oh, look,
4: one of the great feelings in sport, there's no, no question, you're sort of, especially when we've won it um, against all the odds. I mean, if you go in as, as red-hot favourites, it's still a great moment, but I think there's a subtle difference to being just rank outsiders and all of a sudden the realisation... We've just won the World Cup, bloody hell. You know, this is a really special moment. The crowded Eden Gardens in um, uh, Calcutta, you know, were supporting us, which was fantastic when we played England as, as our, you know, traditional foes. So, yeah, doing the lap of honour and just the realisation that uh, you've achieved something special, uh, yeah, just as good as
2: it gets. You know, there's not too many better feelings in sport. Maybe one of the unheralded moments of that game was Mike Valletta's innings, 45 yep. or 31. These days that's sort of commonplace, but back yeah. then it's kind of unheard of. You've got six boundaries in that knock uh, and he really got he really got you guys to that match winning total.
4: Well I mean Chris Gale would be happy with forty five and thirty one balls <laughs> yeah. um you know, the way Cricket's played now even. So yeah and Michael Valletta's not your power hitter. Yeah. So he did it with uh, depth stroke, play little fine sweeps and Late cuts and, and they hit, you know, the odd... But all all sort of what you'd call cricket shots, you know. There wasn't um, you know, a big, powerful bloke that's whacking boundaries over guy's heads. Uh, you know, it was um, deft touches. And 45 or 30... I mean, that's a, a serious run rate at the end of our innings Yeah, uh, to get us to that, uh, you know, very good competitive score. So... Um, yeah, there's always unsung heroes, um, and and Mike Follett is one of them. So, yeah, you know, when you post a score you know, that's defendable, that's mm. uh, you know key when you're batting first. If we'd only made two twenty-five, two thirty, we probably wouldn't have won the game.
2: Mm. You've achieved so much in your career. Where does that one rank?
4: <laughs> Look, I'm am a Test match um, person, so Ashes victories always seem to take. Precedence, but yeah, look, it's right up there. I mean, yep. it's uh, as good as it gets as far as you know. Collectively, as a group, uh, against the odds, um, winning a World cup uh, special moment.
2: Next up, it's Andrew Simons, who we caught up with in Sydney last week, and he tells us a story about a very underrated, yet somewhat annoying, former World Cup teammate. Now, have you got a, a World Cup memory or, or a story that you can share with us, maybe from off the field, maybe in the, in the dressing room or, or a roommate you had, or, or uh, is there a funny story that, that sticks out for you that you can say <laughs> on this platform? Um. Yeah, there is a few, but I'm just trying
1: to think what would be acceptable. (laughs) Um, Well, we used to have Brad Hogg, right? In my opinion, arguably one of the most um, unsung heroes of Australian one-day cricket. I reckon he was a a super player. Um, Hoggy, as you can probably see through the TVs, can be quite an annoying character. (laughs) So what we used to do with Hoggy was... um, Oh, well, you used to get a number of warnings and say, mate, that's enough. Otherwise, it's going to be it's going to be the uh, the hog pile, and anyway. So he, he'd give you enough lip, and then it would just come to breaking point. So I'd just chase him down. I mean, we've had some good ones here at the CG. I'd catch him, and then the whole team was Is this p- during a game? No, no, before. Oh, like, like, okay. training the day right, before, right. a couple yeah. of days before. And I'd get him, and I'd lay on him, and then the whole team would just pile <laughs> on. And him and I are b- uh, both claustrophobic, yes. so we'd all be on top of Hoggy, and then Hoggy be Righto, righto, Roy, get off, get off, And he starts to panic. And then I just reassure him that there's no more silly business. Hoggy is there. And he goes, no, 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 he's panicking. And I thought, Right. Right, boys, get off. And obviously the sec the, the worst place to be is second on one of those piles. We've got his ribs and on my ribs and elbows and knees and so that's how we used to
2: sort of get the silliness out of Hoggy. That that used to work quite well. And what a tremendous you mentioned before, what a tremendous player he was for Australian World mm-hmm. Cups. In 03, coming in after Shane Warne yeah. was ruled out, and then in 07, took his game to another level. Some of the wrong and spells that he bowled for Australia were crucial in winning those tournaments. Yeah, well, he was, he was so good. I mean, he was a sort of, I suppose, an
1: unfashionable type cricketer, but his skills were unbelievable. As you say, he's wrong-in. Um, then that sort of thing, he learned to bowl out of the front of his hand. People just couldn't pick him. Mm. Quite a fast wrist action, and... His batsman even the asian batsmen have had troubles really getting hold of him a lot of the time so he was a real a real weapon for, for us you know he was he
2: was a terrific little player that's it for this week's episode we will be back next week to talk all things world cup but as we mentioned earlier for all your news scores and video highlights head to cricket.com.au and the CA live app